Um, I didn't say, though, you know, today we're going to be talking about uh, praying, being a praying people as people of movement. And um, uh, Lucas, I'll talk about him for just a second. He has a call to ministry, um, and I hope I don't say it wrong. You moved here from Campinas, right? Yeah, uh, he and his wife. And so uh, just a a great story that uh, she had cancer last year and has been healed from that. So uh, we're just thanking God for and to continue to declare complete healing in her life. But we're talking about praying. We're talking about the uh, God of miracles. And um, he is doing miracles. And uh, he is just great. And we're, we're thankful for all that God does in our lives and um, for bringing us uh, new relationships with, um, with our Brazilian family now. So uh, God is just is good to us. All right, so we've been talking about... A movement. You guys know that. We've got the hashtag movement. Uh, I'm still waiting on it to start trending on Twitter. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen that yet, but maybe, maybe it'll happen. Um, people, who have, uh, people who are characterized by movement or people who are part of movement are characterized by certain things. Uh, they have certain similarities. We've talked about that. And th- they have things in common. And so um, for me, as I began to prepare for this, I was looking for things that uh, people of the Christian movement will have in common. What are those things? What are the things that we all share? Commonalities and um, going back to the days of Jesus and his disciples and how they started the church in the first century. So what are the things that we all have in common? Uh, the first thing is we talked about being kingdom-minded. Uh, that And if you'll remember when, uh, I forgot his name, when our evangelist was here for revival, Jeremiah, when Jeremiah was here, don't tell him I forgot, he'll be mad at me. When Jeremiah was here, uh, he talked a little bit about this too, but uh, seeing people the way God sees them, um, being kingdom-minded, that our uh, eyes would be the same as his, that if it breaks God's heart, it breaks our heart. So, And we told the story about the lady who had 10 coins, lost one, and just really went through the whole house to find just the one. That's the way God sees lost people. So we've got to have the same kind of eyes. The second thing we talked about was being joyful. And I'm going to hurry through this so that we can get to the meat today. But uh, being joyful is just, uh, is different from happiness. Happiness is dependent on what uh, surrounds us, the the way things impact us. Um, The cinnamon roll I had this morning made me very happy. Because I hadn't had one for about a week, you know, it was awesome, I loved it, but it doesn't bring me joy. Maybe a little bit, but uh, joy is, really comes from within. It's, it's what God brings us, and so we need to be careful that we don't let our outside external circumstance affect our internal. Last week we talked about something very exciting, being a sanctified people. It's really the cornerstone of our message on freedom. If we are going to be people of a movement, if people would uh, see us and think, I want part of that, they've got to see people who have been set free, people who have turned themselves entirely over to God, full of His Spirit, and are living changed, holy lives. It's, it's just different. And what we've talked about, if we're going to be people of a, of a movement, if we're going to spread the message of freedom, we have to see people the way God sees them. We have to be people full of joy, and we have to be sanctified people. It is something that we will have in common. So today I want to turn our attention, and before I dive into that, I want to tell you, don't miss in two weeks, 
two weeks is going to be awesome because I have somebody from Safe Families. Finally, have been able to make that connection. They're going to come and talk to us. Safe Families is uh, an alternative to CPS, Child Protective Services. It's a, a way where we can, as Christians, get involved in the lives of, of um, families that are struggling, that need a, a hand as far as uh, maybe a, a pregnant mother that's escaping a dangerous situation, a child who um, a mom needs an opportunity to... Um, I don't know, step herself up or find a job or whatever, and somebody can watch a child for them before they go into the child care system. That's what the Safe Families is. I, I love what they're doing. I love their ministry, and I want us to be involved. And we talked about that some time ago. True religion, you remember, true religion, following God. It's taking care of the widows and orphans, and Safe Families is going to help us do that. Um, there's no need for us to reinvent it. If somebody else is already doing it, let's just partner with them, right? So uh, today I want to turn our attention to perhaps, arguably, the most important characteristic of Christian people who wish to start a revolution of freedom, and that is prayer. I like that word, don't you? Revolution. Like, do we want to start a revolution? Do we really want to do that? And, and it's crazy because the revolution was started a long time ago. I still remember that old song from the 80s. I don't even remember who sang it. We didn't start the fire. Right? It's always burning since the world's been turning. Like, we didn't start this. It's already started. But now God is inviting us to join the revolution, to start this movement in our own uh, circumstance, in our own story, in our own uh, lives. So I want to join him in that. Let me give you some statistics. And as I go through this, some of these are going to be like rapid fire. Uh, go to the notes. The, the notes are in the Bible app, or you can go to the church's app and find the, the notes there, and, um, and the numbers I'm going to tell you are going to be there too. There was a Newsweek poll written, uh, done, written, and it was called, uh, Is God Listening? That's the title of it. And they did a poll on prayer, just to see, the, and this is, remember, this is the general population. This isn't specific to Christians. Of those who pray, 87% believe that God answers their prayer at least some of the time. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Uh, even so, unanswered prayer does not deter people from praying. 85% insisted that they could accept God's failure, wording, to grant their prayer. Like they could still believe in God, accept His failure to grant their prayer. They can do that. Only 13% declared that they had lost faith because their prayer went unanswered. 82% don't turn away from God. Or, yeah, 82% don't turn away from God. I just said that one. 54% said that when God doesn't answer their prayers, it means that it was not God's will to answer their prayer. Isn't that interesting? The, the world in mass, still praise. Something within us as people yearns to connect with God. Something within us desires to be intimate with this great being that many of them don't even know. The thing for us is we take for granted because we know that prayer gets us that intimacy. 
and we don't do it. I don't think we practice prayer nearly enough. The power of prayer is, is so evident. We can't disregard the fact that prayer is the most powerful force in the life of the church. We continue to have breakthroughs as a church because of our life of prayer. I, I, I'll never forget, and I'm going to tell, she's not here, she's probably watching online, uh, Kay, just a couple of years ago, um, we prayed for her on a Wednesday night, and psoriasis was healed. We were praying for her as a church. Other Christians were praying too, but we were praying for her cousin who was miraculously healed of cancer. Right now alive, don't know why. We were praying as a church that we could somehow continue to do the work of ministry even though we're in the greatest pandemic that our uh, generation has known, several generations. And this year, I don't know if you were here, the first Sunday of the year, I always look back at everything that's happened. We started a school. Nobody's starting a school this year. We started a school. We started a preschool. We, we have some crazy people who came and said, we want to start a Brazilian church in the midst of a pandemic. Faith. The power of prayer is so powerful. And when we look at the ways that God has moved in our lives, we can't take that for granted. But we continue to have questions, I think. What about me? Why are my prayers not answered? Why are their prayers answered? Why did my friend die? And I'll tell you just a personal story. I, I prayed desperately. I have a friend. He was, he was in his 80s, but a healthy guy got COVID and he died. And I prayed for that guy. <laughs> I truly prayed that God would heal my friend Burl. And I asked later, what about me? <laughs> what, what happened, God? What happened to this prayer? I think sometimes we view prayer with the attitude that it's through prayer that we rest from God things He doesn't want us to have. You understand, take it, like, he's not wanting to give it up. We're having a tug of war. We take it. We have, if you've watched our Wednesday night prayer, we try to avoid this. On, uh, but sometimes our great Dane gets in the shot. She's, um, uh, she can be annoying because she's still young. She's just over a year old and still has a little puppy instinct. And um, she just sometimes won't just go lay down. <laughs> uh, but that dog is a pest with the toys, <laughs> She has, she has a ball. It's a dog ball, but it's, of course, she's a great name. It's a big dog ball. <laughs> and she will walk around, literally walk, <laughs> that's funny, I love that word, literally walk around the house holding that ball in her mouth and it's touching my leg the whole time I'm walking. I'm walking and, I'm, and everywhere I go, the, the leg is touch. She's like, I want to play, I want to play, I want to play. And, I, and then she, so she wants to play tug of war is what she wants to play with the ball. And so I grab the ball and we play this little tug of war. And that's, I think, sometimes how we view God in prayer. We're trying to take the prayer. God, I'm going to take this thing from you. You don't want me to have it, but I want it. Right? I think we view prayer with that attitude sometimes. But I want you to know that that is not the way prayer works. Prayer is the divinely ordained channel through which God gives his children, hear us, all the good things he designs for our benefit and blessing. 
probably should have put that in the notes. <laughs> I didn't. Prayer is the divinely ordained channel through which God gives His children all the good things He designs for our benefit and blessing. Listen, I think God is more willing to give us the things we want than we are to ask for them. From the outset, I want to say that I think the way we view God, the being God, will influence the way we pray. The image of God our Father conjures up for everybody a We have different ideas of father. Some of us had abusive fathers. Some of us had absent fathers. Some of us had good and decent fathers. When we pray, we have to put off the ideas we have of of a father, of our earthly fathers, and understand that he is a gentle, firm father with great wisdom and experience, and will never do anything harmful to us. The most perfect father that you could imagine, more perfect than any father you know, when you pray, imagine that you're praying to him. Because the way we pray will be influenced by who we imagine God to be. (laughs) I guess it sometimes par for the course, because I, I know that I've made this joke, and I heard Jeremiah make the joke, Now that the introduction is over, let's get into it. (laughs) Halfway through, um, I promise I'm going to be good with your time. We'll have you out shortly. So the intro was half of the sermon today. Matthew 7. We're going to read out of Matthew 7, one that you guys all know, I'm sure. Verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Those who seek, Find, and to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your child asks for bread, will give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, will give them a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? All right, so this is interesting. Ask, seek, and knock. I'm going to pull a, uh, a grammar discussion on you here, okay? All three verbs in verse 7, ask, seek, and knock, they are imperatives, okay? An imperative is a command, if you can remember back to that. They're imperatives. Um, and, and when you get to, into the world of imperatives, there's the orist imperative, and there's the um, present imperative imperative. Okay? Now, the orist imperative is a command to do a particular thing at a particular time. The present imperative is a command to do something, but to keep doing something indefinitely. So, all three verbs, ask, seek, and knock, are written in present tense imperatives. In other words, we are told the way it's written is to ask and keep on asking. To seek and keep on seeking. To knock and keep on knocking. Don't stop. Continue to do it. It's not a one-time deal. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. There's a 
an idea in here. And the way it's intended to read is that there's an increasing intensity as we go through. Ask, seek, and knock. I am um, sometimes in my life, in the dealings of the church, I'll reach out to somebody for something. They don't reply. Ever happened to you before? <laughs> no reply. All right, so the text message didn't work. I'll email them. <laughs> Still no reply. I'll call them. <laughs> you know, no answer. There, it's like a level of intensity, right? And if, you, if I ever get to that place where I'm just like, I'm just going to have to call you every day then, <laughs> right? It's a level of intensity, and it doesn't stop. Ask, seek, knock. So ask, have you heard James 4, 2? You have not because you ask not. Jesus encouraged us to go to God with the things that we need or want. That's okay. He loves us. He wants to give to us. One of the problems we have with asking is that we ask based on our physical needs, though. Right? Have you, have you thought about that? And in, in some ways, that's okay because we're physical beings, but also we're spiritual beings created in the image of God. So sometimes we have to stop and think spiritually. What is it that God wants? Understand that sometimes in our physical we're playing chess and God in the spiritual is playing 3D checkers. Backwards. Chess, 3D, I mean checkers and 3D chess. You guys remember that on the, what was it, the, um, one of those uh, Star Trek maybe or they were playing 3D chess, right? So, so sometimes, let me do that again. We're playing checkers, just simple checkers. I was playing that with Teresa. I beat her, by the way, the other day in checkers. Um, we have a friendly competition, you know. But God's over here, and he's playing like a 3D chess, and we don't know where the next move is and what's going on because we're thinking all physical. Try to imagine and bring in the spiritual aspect of it. When we ask, we have to be mindful of how we're asking Try to see spiritually. Second is seek. It's, it's another level of intensity. It's, it's a deeper level of prayer than just asking. Sometimes we may doubt and, and uh, be in darkness, not understand fully. <laughs> Have you ever been there? The amazing thing is God has made a provision for that. You remember Romans chapter 8, verse 26? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray or what to pray for. We don't, we don't know. It's in that Spirit and we, we find ourselves in the Spirit and we're like, God, show me. And then knocking. It's the most intense prayer. Sometimes we want, we know what we want. We start knocking on the door and, that God would grant our request. Have you ever prayed with a certainty you just didn't understand? You knew what you were asking for was right. You felt like God was leading you in that way, so you just kept right on praying. Right? You just kept right on knocking. I know this is right. I know this is what God wants. I, you're, you're digging in. 
My dad taught me, I guess maybe he's an old-timer now because this is an old-timer phrase. Don't tell him I said that. He might get mad. <laughs> There's an old-timer phrase where they would say, uh, pray through. <laughs> you got to pray through on it. And I would always ask my dad as a kid, what does it mean to pray through, Dad? Um, pray until you're through. Knock and keep knocking and keep knocking and keep knocking. Sometimes we stop. We stop short. But if you feel led and you know and you've, you've gotten deeper and deeper and deeper and you're knocking on that door, don't just stop knocking. Keep pressing on it. You know, it's... Uh, Ask, seek, and knock is, is great, but praying is more than just nuts and bolts. It's more than just breaking the Lord's prayer down and saying, we know we've got to praise God first, and then we know we've got to come into a time of confession, and we know we've got to, then we can start asking for, like, we break sometimes, we break prayer down to the nuts and bolts of it. This is what it is, this is what it looks like, it's very rule-driven and rule-oriented. Listen, how should we pray, and, and here, I love this, this is how people of a movement pray. Psalm 142, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden the snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand and no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. You ever felt like that? I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Verse 6, this is good. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Man, I love verse 6. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. So you want to ask me how people of a movement pray? Listen, starting a revolution is no small task. It's not an easy thing. People throughout the centuries have given their lives to start a revolution. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to do? How badly do we want it? Verse 6 tells us we must be desperate. Are we desperate for God? Are we desperate to see the people we don't know, we know that don't know Christ come to know Him? Are we desperate? How desperate are we? We know we have an imperative to pray, but the way we pray can't be cold and calculated. Have you ever seen somebody desperate pray? Have you ever heard the story of somebody desperate pray? When I was, um, when I was far from God, I never saw, but I heard the stories of my mom praying for me privately every morning. Even today, she goes to the kitchen table, she sits down, she has her devotion, she reads the Bible, she prays, and she was desperate for her lost son. And she would pray and she would cry tears 
at that table, the anguish and the angst I caused my mom, I'm forever going to be guilty of. But she was desperate. Can you imagine her joy the first time I called her and said, hey, mom, guess what? I have returned. (laughs) She was desperate. I don't know about you, but I look at the task that God has set to accomplish, and I don't know yet if you feel the weight that I do of Him inviting us to be a part of this movement, to start a movement in our own uh, circumstance here. I don't know if you feel the weight of that, but I look at what He's asked us to do, and I just don't know how we can do it. I look at this movement, this, this thing that He wants us to do, and I say, man, money is tight. How can we do it? We've, you know, we've got to have money. COVID, God, it's killed us. People, they say we're going to fail. You can't do this. You're too small. We're just a small church. (laughs) How can we do what God has asked us to do? Because in my prayers with God, I won't even share all of it, but the vision He has given me for what He wants this church to be are grand. A place that ushers in his kingdom where the poor and the lonely and the people, no matter their life circumstance, are welcomed in. A place where people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. A place where we almost can't have church because we are baptizing people all the time. Like these are the images that God gives me. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do it. It's in those moments that I become desperate and I cry out to God and I say, God, we can't do this. But I know we can accomplish anything because we are willing. And I don't know, some of you maybe don't know me well yet and those watching, some of you maybe don't know me well yet, but listen, I've got to a place where if God is calling me, I'm going. I'm going. And my job as a pastor is to tell all of the people in our church, everybody who's a part, that this is where God has called us to go, and we have to go. I feel like I would just jump off the cliff. Now, I, I don't want to do that, but like I'm, God is, is drawing us this way because, listen, desperate Christians become dangerous people. Are we desperate? Dangerous because no force on earth can stop us. The gates of hell will not prevail because God has called us. Have you ever felt righteous in the task you've been given? (laughs) So as I settle into what God has called us to do and the fear begins to leave, I become desperate to see it come come to pass. I mean, I'm not even going to share all the things because it's 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 so big, and, and it involves hundreds of people and thousands. Maybe you don't count your dreams, right? Your visions that God gives you. Who is God and who are we? I think it's important as we dig into this that we remember who God is. And one of my favorite places to go 
to be reminded who he is. And this is also why I'm okay to just follow. God, you want me to? Cool, here it is. Look, Revelation 4, I'm not fighting with this God. After this I looked, and therefore before me uh, was a door standing open in heaven. This is John, right, in Revelation, he's speaking. I had heard first, I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place. At once, John said, I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne, surrounding the throne were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass as clear as crystal. Our God is no ordinary God. In my desperation, I read this and I think, oh my word, anything is possible. <laughs> look, look at who he is. Anything is possible, but, but here's the dangerous part for us. He has invited us, to, but God is a gentleman and he will not force us. I do not want this movement to pass us by. <laughs> I don't think we would survive that. I don't think we would survive that. I think it's a wave of his movement. He's invited us to join, and we've got to catch it or we're going to miss it. And if we miss it, we die. And that's scary too. I would rather stay in the middle of God's scary will than safe out of it. So, God is inviting us today. But we have to be a praying people. So, I'm going to ask you guys, we're going to sing a song here, and I want to put this into practice. Um, the, the altars are here, and, and we're not, I'm not going to wait a long time, and and I know COVID and all that, and if you don't want to, kneel at your seat, come kneel at the altar, raise your hands, but let's, let's just spend a time, if you're at home, then, then close your eyes, ignore whatever is happening around you, and just for a moment, enter into his throne room, remembering the image that we just painted of who God is. And if we're not desperate yet, then let's ask him to make us desperate, to be a part of, to join this movement, to see lives be changed, to see people who don't know love understand love, to see many people come to know Jesus Christ, and for more than that they get to join us in heaven, which is awesome, but that they get to join us here <laughs> in his kingdom, right? God, this morning, we're going to spend the next just a couple of minutes just through this song. When the song's over, we're done. We'll be dismissed. We're going to go home. Just during the next few moments, Father, we want to enter your presence in an intimate way. So help us to clear the distractions. 
if people at home help them to clear the distractions, not to think about Super Bowls tonight and what snacks do I have and what what are we having for lunch before the snacks and just for a minute, just let's just just focus in on God, press in on His Spirit, Holy Spirit. We invite you, just for the next few minutes, to speak to our hearts. Teach us what it means to be desperate.